Okay, are we on and recording? All righty. This is a true story from the Washington Post. The, the title of it was Self-Proclaimed Old Coots Offer Life Advice at Farmer's Market. Their slogan is probably bad advice, but it's free. This is a group of retired friends, and they were meeting every Saturday at a deli, solving world problems, talking to one another, and decided they were tired of just talking to one another, and it was time to share their wisdom. So they went, and Salt Lake City is where they are, so they went to a nearby Salt Lake City's farmer market and set up a card table, had this sign printed, and told people they were dispensing free advice. Now... Mostly, this was for their own entertainment, but surprisingly, 30 to 40 people were coming every Saturday. They were surprised people started showing up and sharing their problems. So I just will share three quotes as they were interviewing one of the old coots. People ask us, are you guys qualified to do this? And of course, we have to say no, but neither was Ann Landers. Hopefully, we won't mess people up too much. Then on down, it started as a joke, but it's become a phenomenon. Somebody told us the other day that we're the most popular attraction at the market. We always listen carefully and don't give gratuitous advice. And then one more quote. Oh, by the way, they don't offer advice to one another. And two topics are off the table, politics and religion, but they do keep voter registration pads right there on the table. Last quote. To be truthful, I'm not sure that any of us can claim to have much wisdom, but it sure has been a lot of fun. Maybe all of us coots really do have more to offer than we thought. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being here, right here with us. Thank you for wanting to speak to us. And we open our hearts and our minds, our ears, our whole selves, fully to you now, to hear from you and learn of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this week, we are in week five, entitled Mentoring. And so today, it's going to be more of a topical study, but from a biblical perspective, because mentoring is not just a Christian phenomenon, right? Non-Christians have, they have courses, actually, that you can take in the business world on mentoring. So this is not exclusively Christian, but God speaks very clearly about mentoring, both sides, being a mentee and being a mentor. And that's why I entitled it To Be or Not To Be. Be. Be a mentor and be a mentee. So I want to look at this from a biblical perspective today. Now, Elijah and Elisha, had a mentoring relationship. And we saw how it began, remember, back in 1 Kings chapter 19. And the last verse of that section, whenever he was called, was then he, Elisha, went with Elijah as his assistant. And thus begins his mentoring relationship. And now our scripture today, which is in 2 Kings, Elijah is taken into heaven with Elisha refusing to leave him. Remember the multiple times? And Elisha kept saying, no, I'm not going to leave you. Can you imagine being Elijah? Can you imagine being Elisha standing there and seeing Elijah leaving like that? This is three artist renderings. I would have 
definitely drawn it differently. I don't think he was looking back. I think he was looking forward. If he was looking back, it was only for a second to make sure he targeted the red, you know, his cape going off or something. I think it was total, totally forward. After Elijah's departure, Elisha divides the Jordan River, purifies Jericho's water, travels to Bethel, to Mount Carmel, and on to Samaria. Samaria. And that's what you studied this last week. Elisha carries on. Now, Elijah and Elisha's relationship are not the only mentoring relationships we know about. I want you to finish these. Moses and Aaron. Moses and Joshua, I heard it. Ruth and Naomi. Elizabeth and Mary. Paul and Timothy. Jesus and the disciples. Yeah, that was a total mentoring relationship. And then even closer, probably, with Peter, James, and John, right? We were not meant to do life alone in easy, beautiful times or in more difficult times. And I'm not saying that alone time is not valuable and even necessary. We talked about that, right, in soul care. But God made us for community. He made us for community. Part of the value of the blessing of community are the mentors and the mentees in our lives. Our author in our study guide says that the value of mentorship is, quote, God uses mentors to provide guidance and purpose. So we need others in our lives, especially those that have gone before us, but not just someone ahead of us that's been there, done that. From a scriptural perspective, a mentor is more than that. The definition of mentor, the official definition, is a wise and trusted counselor or teacher. It can also mean a tutor or a coach. And the first mentioning of the word mentor in the world goes all the way back to Greece in Homer's epic, The Odyssey. Do you remember the story of Odysseus? He's away from his home fighting and journeying for 20 years. And during that time, Telemachus, the son, he left as a babe in arms, grew under the supervision of mentor. That was the actual name of an old trusted friend. And since then, the name of the character started being used as a common term for a trusted tutor. So for Elijah and Elisha and the other Bible time people we named, God obviously had a hand in orchestrating those relationships. Today, how does it work? How does he work? Well, the short answer is however he wants to, right? That's how he works. He puts people in my path, in my family, as my friends, as my neighbors, as my work associates, at my church. And, I, and while he could certainly speak the same way to me as he did to Elijah and Elisha, he hasn't yet. He has, however, been so faithful to surround me with wise and trusted counselors and teachers. I think of my sister Betty. Mrs. Melton was my preschool Sunday school teacher and the first one who ever let me teach a Bible study lesson, probably because I was talking. Mrs. Cortade, a, a fifth grade teacher of mine, lived directly behind us and I could climb our tree and scoot to another branch and drop down and be in her backyard and she welcomed me to sit at her table and grade papers and we talked about life, and we talked about college and dreams. 
Glenda Godwin was a UT student, a University of Texas student that came to my house once a week all through my high school years and discipled me. Jane Goking was a doctor's wife. He, she and Keith, uh, she was a nurse, and the two of them adopted Ken and I in a college program at our college church. So for four years, we had the Gokings in our life. Sue, as a, the closest I'll ever get to a Jewish mama, uh, taught me during my early mothering years. She was my mom's age, so she was definitely had been there, done that. I remember nursing Taylor once and her looking at me and saying, see that sweet boy? And I looked down and she said, don't ever pray he won't do anything wrong because he will. You pray that he gets caught quickly and by a godly person. I have never forgotten that. And two wonderful women up here in Chicago, one that goes to our church who came this morning and prayed with me, and another one that doesn't go to our church, but actually I talked to her yesterday. And more ladies that I'm not even mentioning if God chooses not to speak directly to me as he did Elijah and Elisha, then how do these mentoring relationships come about? Our author gives us four suggestions. If you want a close relationship with a mentor, you read them. They're on page 168. All or any of which you might find helpful in your journey. But I want to back up just one step and look at who are we looking for? Exactly. Let's get a clear picture of a wise and trusted counselor or teacher from God's point of view. All right, so let's stop the train, look at just these four words, one at a time. Again, according to scripture, wise. So much of God's word addresses wisdom. There are actually five wisdom books, right? Job, Psalms, Pro Job, Psalm, Job, Psalms Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon are all called wisdom books. As a matter of fact, a lot of the scripture that you see today on your handout is from Proverbs, a wisdom book. Proverbs 9, 10, fear, and I'm going to stop on that word. You know, all words attach to meaning in different times and places. And I think when we say fear here a lot of time, we think of being afraid. And this fear is more of awe, wonder, respect, worship, right? So fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment and then just one from Matthew you remember the song the wise man built his house upon the you know it and what happens the rains come down Jan knows it and the floods come up and you do that a lot the rains come down and the floods come the rains come down and the floods come up and the house on the rock stirred firm and then the other guy the foolish man built his house upon the sand and the same things happen, right? Rains and floods, rain. And what happens to the house on the sand went splat. So that's the scripture. Now let's look at it closely. What happens? What's the same in, in, for both men? Both build a house, right? What else happens? Rain. Rain comes to both storms. The floods come up. And the wind beats. Do you notice? It, scripture's even clear. It says the wean, wind beats against the house. Both guys. Notice also that both listen, hear, and know God's teaching. Do you see that? Don't miss that in the scripture. Both men listen, hear, and know God's teaching. 
what is the one thing that is different, which is represented by the foundation of the rock and sand? But what is the one thing? Obedience. That is the only difference in between the two men. Sometimes I think we don't get the picture that, oh, one knows God and one doesn't. One hears God's word. No, no, no. The difference is obedience. Again, just represented by the different foundation. So we look at these two scriptures together, Proverbs and Matthew together, and oh my goodness, what do we see? That the best mentor is the one who knows God. How does she know God? Well, she loves him. And then she obeys him. And then she lives as Jesus did. Does that ring a bell? That's why we're doing Bible study, right? Go back all the way to the first week I got to be with you. This is my last week, by the way. I get to be with you. And we talked about why do we study God's word? To know him. Because to know him is to love him. And to love him is to obey him. And to obey him is to live as Jesus did. So perfection is not the goal. Direction is the goal. One who follows after Jesus Christ. And we'll come back to wisdom in a moment. The second, trusted. What does that mean to you, someone who is trusted? Give me some synonyms. When I say trusted, what do you think of? Consistent. Loyal. Good words. Maybe, um, maybe somebody's name actually came to your mind when I said the word trusted. For me, I think of trustworthy and integrity. God's word again in Proverbs eleven thirteen. 13, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Now, is it important to you when you share something personal with someone in confidence that she not go tell someone else? Let me see your hand. Okay, if you did not raise your hand, wake up or raise your bar. Because we all expect that right? Every one of us expect that. But a trusted individual is more than just someone who doesn't gossip and keep a secret, especially where a mentor is concerned. At the mentor level, trusted includes, for me, integrity. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He's a shield to those who walk with integrity. Wow, what a rich description and a combination here. Common sense and honest integrity. What we see here about our wonderful God is God's protection and provision. You see it? He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. God is the provider. And then look, a shield to those who walk with integrity. That's the protector. One more from Proverbs. Proverbs 20, verse 7. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. What do you notice here regarding integrity in these last two verses? Look at the phrase, the three-word phrase that's repeated. starts with a preposition. Walk with integrity. Yeah, sorry, the preposition's in the middle. Walk with integrity. Walk with integrity. Integrity is a way of living, right? It is literally a walk, a step-by-step decision-making that honors God, that brings God glory. And look at the sweetness of Jesus in this. Blessed are their children who follow them, the godly, those who walk with integrity. So we see in Proverbs 2 and in Proverbs 20 that integrity is a blessing to both the leader and the follower. So sometimes it helps to understand these concepts to look at the opposite in the form of a question. What happens when your mentor is not trusted, is not reliable? There was a woman who had a left knee subchondral tibial plateau fracture, and walked on the broken bone for 33 days. 
Then she wore a brace for 44 days. So 76 days after she broke the bone, she was walking pretty normal again thanks to a family member, the doctor, and the physical therapist. That's a true story. Now let's look at Proverbs 25, 19. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot or a hurt knee. Yeah, that was me. It wasn't one of my more brilliant moments, days, and weeks. Ken said, I actually said when I broke it, I stood there and I was holding on to him so I wouldn't fall. And I said, you have had a baby. Breathe. <laughs> and I don't even remember doing that. And I stood there and I, because I didn't want to cause a scene. I walked to dinner. We had dinner. We left. And you know the rest of that story. Don't be like me. All that to say, I can tell you with confidence that walking on a lame foot or a lame knee is more than just ill-advised and it's more than just painful. It's foolish, it's damaging, and it's even dangerous. The third word is counselor. I was going to ask y'all, what would you think about a lady like that? And then I thought, I don't want to hear you tell me how stupid I am. Counselor. <coughs> I'm sorry. A counselor has words of counsel or advice. How many of you have people in your life that are willing to give you advice? Right? Yes, I've noticed there are a lot of people in my life that are willing to give me advice. Have you noticed this too? The line's not short. Um, so again, our mentor is not just anybody. What kind of advice does a wise and trusted counselor give? Look at Proverbs 10, 20. The words of the godly are like sterling silver. And then Ephesians. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. But it's not just the right words. It's the right time, knowing when to speak and when not to speak. We see this in Proverbs 25, 11. The counsel is not always easy to take. Remember Julie's sweet story she shared of her friend that helped her and stepped in and said the hard words. In Proverbs 25 again, verse 12, to one who listens, valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry. Do you notice a theme in these verses? Sterling silver, golden apples, silver basket, gold earring, gold jewelry. Those are precious, valuable metals. The wise, trusted counselor's words are precious, valuable words to the mentee. Some of the best advice I got from my mentor that does not go to this church, she told me once, um, I wrote it down so I could get it by word, Rhonda, you cannot say everything God has taught you. Now, as a teacher, I'm going to tell you that is full of mixed emotions. It makes me incredibly sad because I want to share everything that God has given me. And that's impossible. And then it also fills me with great joy because God pours so much into um, the preparation and the presentation. I love my time with him. It's the joy. It's the delight of my life. I feel his pleasure the most when I'm getting to teach. But it's kind of like the book and the movie. I don't know if there's a better way to... The book is always better, always better. But all you get here is the movie, and there's so much missing but I remember her words. Every time, I, every time I'm preparing, when I'm cutting things out and I'm, the, the floor is littered with the edits, I think, Rhonda, you cannot say everything God has taught you. That, that is timely advice that she gave me. I'll never forget it. 
teacher is the next word, Colossians 3.16. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. We're going to circle back to wisdom here in a moment. But let's look at what is all the wisdom he gives. What that phrase in scripture. So contrasting descriptions a lot of times help us. So James 3, we're not going to take the time to read this whole passage. It's on your handout. But if you look at this, this will very clearly show you God's wisdom versus everybody else's wisdom in this one passage. And this begs another question. Well, how does an individual have God's wisdom? We'll look at the 1 Corinthians passages for this. In 130 and 2.16, the summary of these scriptures is Jesus is wisdom. He is wisdom himself. So we watch him, we listen to him, we learn of him, we learn from him, from the Gospels mainly. And the whole Trinity is involved, because look at 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit, for his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secret. So God the Son and God the Spirit show us God's wisdom. And God the Father wants us to have his wisdom. Look at James 1. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Well, how do I know if I have God's wisdom or if my mentor has God's wisdom? Look at 2 Timothy. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. It takes intentionality. But it's not just teaching with our words, it's teaching with our lives. Look at James 3.13. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. So we have another trait to observe here, right? To see it. See it. Humility. We will come back to that one. And notice the conjunction Leading to the phrase which follows the verses we read in Ephesians. I'll put it back up here. You see that conjunction and? Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So teaching with our lives. My mentors teach me with their words and with their lives. Titus 2 brings this all back home, literally. In Titus 2, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Similar, skipping down, similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Do you see the direct tie between the word of God and the way I live? All right, and uh, I want and I need mentors who will be wise and trusted counselors and teachers. So the choice of mentorship. Now here with Elijah, God told Elijah to go to Elisha, right? Well, how do we choose a mentor today? And also important, how do we choose a mentee today? By paying attention to the wise, trusted counselor, teacher guidance. And I'm going to give you three other just practical fundamentals that God has taught me over these years. The first is humility. And by the way, all of these go both ways to the mentor and the mentee. We touched on humility earlier 
in its relationship with wisdom. But I want to talk about humility on both parts again, the mentor and the mentee. If I'm not careful, I can be really prideful that Pat or that Mary is my mentor. What an honor. I must be pretty special for these amazing women to invest in me. Boy, that's dangerous thinking, isn't it? It's wrong, and it's really dangerous. And then from the men mentor, as a mentor, I can puff up pretty quickly and easily that someone has asked me to mentor them. I must be all that. My mom would say all that in a bag of chips. Again, really dangerous thinking, right? Humility is not an act or a moment in time. It is a way of living life. In Philippians 2, we read, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And if we kept reading the verses after this, we'd see a beautiful description of what humility really is uh, in the life of Jesus. Humility, do you see how it applies to both the mentor and the mentee? I cannot tell you the blessing of my mentor taking an interest in me, asking about my family and my children and asking how I'm doing and what I'm doing and how can she pray for me, touching base with me on answered prayer and equally sweet to let me know how I can pray for her. It's humbling to ask someone to be your mentor and it's humbling to be asked to be a mentee. On the one side, it's admitting you need help, right? Um, on the mentee side. And there is a possibility of a no, right? And then on the mentor side, it's being fully aware that you too are, not I are, are in process and do not have all the answers. Not even close, not even on a good day, right? None of us are there yet because we're still breathing. I might add here that all mentorships don't work out and that too requires humility. Uh, so I have two failure lessons here, and it's 9.52, so I'll tell you one. Okay, this one. So several years ago, uh, a younger couple in our church asked Ken and I to mentor them as they parented their children. We were a stage ahead, you know, been there, done that. And um, they said, you know, would you pray about it and consider it, and, you know, made a really big deal of the ask. And so we're like, oh, what did I go do? I went and bought a parenting book, two copies, you know, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so fun, you know, we'll each have a copy, and we can work through the book, and talk about it, and so we answered, yes, we'd love to, they never called back, <laughs> they still go to this church, I see, she's here on Tuesday morning, <laughs> so they picked somebody else, obviously, I'm going to blame that on our kids, one of our kids probably did something, they said, maybe we should, I got another failure story here, but we don't have time for it. But I did, I, seriously, I just wanted to share that because I didn't want you to think for one second that every potential mentoring relationship is a success, like some wonderful lifelong relationship of happiness and wonder. So just full disclosure there. I will say that I am so grateful for the young ladies I've had the privilege to mentor in the past and the ones I'm currently mentoring and in these relationships, although I'm the official mentor, I can tell you that these dear young ladies have taught me so much. And that's the sweetness of Jesus right there, right? That's the, the scripture coming true to life in Proverbs 27. I think I actually wrote that one out on your handout. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Another fundamental and practical two-way street is honesty. A couple from Psalms. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you, not in the mentoring God. 
Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. There's three more passages in Proverbs. You can read those on your own. But you see, if I'm not honest with my mentor, then this happens. So unhealthy, unhelpful, unproductive. An example from last week. Honesty is critical for the mentee and the mentor. Last week, my mentor walked in, and she looked so cute. And I said, you look spiffy today. And we hugged, and she said, how are you? And I said, fine. I said, how are you doing? She said, fine. And I turned around to go get my um, tea, and she followed me. And she said, how is, and she named one of my loved ones. I've been thinking about her. I burst into tears. She had no idea that the previous day, on Monday, I had spent on my knees, on a pillow because of my <laughs> broken knee. I can't get on my knees anymore for real, so I have to put a pillow down. In tears before the Lord, and I rose up from that time with such a sweet, sweet, precious time with God. And so I got to share that with her. And what did I gain? Well, glory went to God because of how he had uh, so tenderly dealt with me. And also, I got another prayer alongside of me, right? Because I was honest. It, it took two times, right? Hours, the last fundamental. Listening, showing up. Now, it looks different in 2019. We don't have the location barriers that we have. One of my mentees is uh, overseas, and um, we're on a different time zone. And so we've what we do is instead of saying on the 15th of every month, because sometimes the 15th comes in a day that we can't. So our goal is between the 14th and the 16th, we connect on where we can see one another. We use WhatsApp, actually. Um, but there's a lot of options out there. So broaden your horizons, um, as, thankfully, to technology these days, right? As we think about mentors, being a mentor and being a mentee. But again, the responsibility is on both sides, right? From Proverbs, if you read these scriptures, you're going to see the same verb. Listen, listen, listen. And then if we go keep going in Proverbs, that first one talks to the mentor. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And then Proverbs 23, 12, commit yourself to instruction. Listen carefully to words of knowledge. From the New Testament in James, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That takes time, hours, unrushed, unhurried, long listening. Did you know listen and silent have the same letters? Asking questions, asking the right questions, quick to listen, slow, slow to speak. So what now that I've written those out on your handout for you? Who has mentored me? I left a blank because it might be a sweet time to thank God again for those people in your lives and, and maybe send them a note or tell them in person. And who, who is mentoring me right now? And who am I mentoring? Yes, I'm looking for these character, characteristics in others, but are others seeing these characteristics in me? Am I wise, trusted counselor, teacher? Am I humble? Am I honest with myself and others? Am I generous with my time? Do I show up? Are my ears open wide? Both ears, undivided attention. I could go through each of these very practical verses that we looked at today and ask a so what, now what 
question for myself, for God to help me answer. Who is mentoring you right now and who are you mentoring to be or not to me? I encourage you to be. Both be a mentee and be a mentor. More than a been there, done that. More than an old coot at a farmer's market. A wise and trusted counselor and teacher. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I pray that it's for me for you. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Ah, oh, thank you. You're, look at that table. Thank you. Y'all are awesome. I'll miss you next semester.